Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. We are going through these five hallmarks of our house. Uh, last week we talked about a house that uncompromisingly seeks God. And we looked at a psalm that David wrote that said that this is Jacob, a generation that seeks him, that seeks your face like Jacob did. And then we went and looked to see what that looks like. How did Jacob seek God? And so we talked about that, and we talked about how we're going to be a house, we're going to be a nation, we're going to be a people that seek the Lord like Jacob did, unrelentingly, uncompromisingly. Today we're going to be talking about the second thing we see in this passage of Scripture in 2 Chronicles 15, where we are going to be a house where all see that the Lord is with us through signs and wonders. And I was, as I was getting ready for this, I was trying to figure the best way to phrase this, um, you know, not in like 37 words, like a house that blah, 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 blah. You know, trying to package it in a way that it was easy to remember. And, and as I was talking, or I was thinking about this and talking to the Lord about it, he said, you know, Jake, just, just say it like this. It'll be easier. It's a house of miracles. And I want to tell you that we are not a house that seeks miracles, We're not seeking the hand of God. We are seeking the face of God. We're a house that seeks the miracle maker. And so we are a house. And listen, when when God shows up, you just get all of who God is. Amen? And so if he, in his presence, is freedom, then you get freedom. If in his presence is life, then guess what? You get life. If in his presence bondages and chains are broken off, then in his presence, that's what happens. Okay, so we are a house that is seeking the presence of God. We are seeking the miracle maker. And so he said it's going to be a house of miracles, and I'm excited about that. I want to ask you this question today, because I think without expectation, there can be no miracle. Because what do you believe in God for then? What's your hope? What's your expectation? So when I ask you today, what do you believe in God for? What's the miracle that you need to see in your life? What's the miracle that you need to see in your family? What's the miracle that you need to see done in your life? Because there has to be something for you to attach your faith to for the Lord Jesus to work. Okay? So be thinking in your head, what are you expecting God to do? What are you expecting God to do in your life? What do you need God to do? And so here in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, we're reading through this account, and there's these five hallmarks. Remember, a hallmark is a characteristic, uh, a fingerprint, uh, a flavor. People would say, this is, I know that this is Jake because he's bald. It's a hallmark of Jake. Jake is bald. He looks like Gru. Oh, you're talking about Jake McGrew. Yeah, he looks like Gru. I got it. Okay. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. That's a hallmark of who I am. A hallmark is your fingerprint, something defining about you. And so these are five defining characteristics of what our house is going to be. And the Lord said that our house is going to be a house where all see that the Lord is with us, that he is here, that his presence is here through signs and wonders. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, the verse 9 says this, For many from Israel had moved to Judah during Asa's reign when they saw, everybody say saw, that the Lord God 
was with them. So there's, there's two things we're going to talk about in this. The first thing, very simply, is this. Listen, there, when, when people begin to see that God is with you, when people begin to see that God is in your presence, when people begin to see that God is here, listen, Jesus just didn't walk around by himself and show up at a scheduled meeting. Everywhere Jesus went, when people began to hear that Jesus was in town, what do we see in the Gospels? People were everywhere, flooding the streets, trying to get close to Jesus. When people see that God is here in our presence, in our midst, that God is here in this house, people will come streaming to the goodness of God. So we need to get ready for growth. We need to prepare for growth. We need to have a growth mindset. What does that look like? That means when people come to church, we're excited to see them. When people come here, we say, oh, man, Who are you? Why are you here? Who told you to come to church at this place? No. Listen, Jesus said in John, in in, uh, John chapter 14, he said, in my father's house are many rooms. There is room for everybody at the Lord's table. So when we gather in the name of Jesus, we've got to prepare in such a way that we're always making room for more. That if people need Jesus, that we make room. If you see somebody show up and they're like, I need Jesus, I'm so broken, I'm so devastated, my life is falling apart, I'm climbing up out of a ditch right now to try and find Jesus, then we make room for that person. And when they show up and they walk in the room, we just pour the love of Jesus on that person and their lives are transformed and changed when they encounter who Jesus is. So we need to get it in our mind that when God is here in this house, that growth is going to happen because people will come streaming to the goodness of God. And so when you see people coming to church, we need to shift something inside of us. We need to start believing God and saying people are coming. Listen, obviously I pray for church all the time. And I just pray that God draws all people to himself. And I start naming off the four points of the compass. Say, God, you just draw people to yourself from the north and the south, the east and the west. That you're calling all people to yourself. And whoever you want to be at Hope City Church, God, that you're bringing those people in so they can find freedom, so they can find salvation, so they can find hope. Because we want everybody in this place to contact, to come into contact with Jesus Christ. So they don't leave this place the same way as when they walked in. Amen? So, listen, and what happens is, is there's, a, there's a circular pattern. There's a circular pattern where people begin to see God is moving, where people begin to see God is in a place. They begin to draw. They begin to follow. They begin to come to Jesus. They begin to hear about him. They, they come streaming to the goodness of God, and then God continues to move. Why? Because people are in expectation of Jesus working in their lives, and as people are in expectation of people or Jesus moving in their life, what happens? Jesus works and moves in their life, and then what happens? Well, more people hear that Jesus is working and that Jesus is moving, and people realize, I need this in my life, and so what happens? More people begin to come because they're broken and they're hurt and they're lost, and so then what happens then? More broken people show up at church expecting Jesus to move. And what happens then? You know what happens then? Then Jesus begins to work and begins to move and begins to heal and begins to set free. And then do you know what happens? Are you even listening? People continue to come because they're hearing about Jesus that sets free, that redeems, that restores, that heals, that sets free and brings life and transformation. So get ready. I'm telling you today, fair warning, get ready. Get ready. You might have to come earlier. There's nowhere for me to park. You might have to come earlier and get a parking spot. Listen, we will, we will find whatever we got to do. 
we'll rent a parking lot at the funeral home. And people will say, good Lord, does the funeral happen on Saturday? No, that's just overflow. That's people that were dead that found Jesus and are alive again. <laughs> we'll do whatever we got to do to make room in this place for people. And listen, the Bible says this is his church and he'll build it. So all we got to do is steward it. All we got to do is talk about Jesus. All we got to do is put the focus on Jesus and watch and see what happens. He'll take everything else. So, uh, we got to get ready. You got to get ready for Jesus, okay? So, it says, many from Israel had moved to Judah during Asa's reign when they saw the Lord, his God, was with them. I'm telling you today, God is with us, and everybody is going to see it through signs and wonders because God's presence is here, and where the presence of God is, you cannot help but see him work and move because that's just who he is. So, uh, there's two things we're going to talk about today in context of all things. So, the question is, like, how do we become people? Because as we work our way through these five things, um, we're talking about what does this look like for us then? If we're going to be a house where everybody sees the presence of God is here, what does that mean for us as a person, as a church body, as a congregation? What do we have to do to help facilitate the presence of God in this house? Okay, so then I want you to go with me to the book of Acts. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 4. And there's two things we're going to look at that we're going to talk about that help facilitate this being a house where the presence of God dwells. The first thing is faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Say faith like you mean it. (laughs) Don't say it all wishy-washy. Say faith, faith, like you mean it, like I'm believing in God, I'm believing in something I can't see. We can't see the Lord, but we have faith in him. Don't be like, well, I don't know, faith. <laughs> say it like you mean it, faith. Let's talk about Jesus. Our hope and our faith is built on him. He's what we're putting our hope and our trust in, faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm standing, yeah, there you go, Lena. We're standing firm on our faith in Jesus. So for this to be a house where people see that the presence of God is here, to see that God is moving, there has to be faith. Faith in what? Faith in two things, really. Faith in, number one, that you know who God says he is and that he wants to do the things that you've said and that you've read about him doing, and faith that he will actually do them. Right? And so in Mark chapter 16, uh, at, at the very end, this is what we call the Great Commission. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus is talking to the disciples. These are his last words to us in physical form on the planet Earth before he took that great escalator ride to heaven. I just want to see what that looks like when I get to heaven. I just want to see, like, how Jesus left this Earth. And because the Bible says that he just, like, went up into heaven. So obviously it was like him kind of floating away because the Bible says that the disciples were standing around staring so long that that the Lord had to send angels down to say, hey man, he's gone. Because they were staring up into the heavens, just like watching. And so the Bible says they sent angels down to say, hey, he's gone. You need to go to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so I don't know why I was saying that, but it was a great thought, whatever it was. Um, and so in Acts chapter 4, we're looking at here, uh, we're talking about the disciples. Oh, sorry, we were talking about Mark chapter 16. Well, that's right, that's where we were at. And um, so Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he is giving them his final words on earth. And he says, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. Uh, if I could tell you anything, this is how you're going to continue the mission of what I've called you to do. This is the work you are called to do because we're doing the work. We're continuing the work of Jesus, by the way. You, you don't have your own ministry you don't have like your own calling. 
What we're doing here as people on planet Earth is continuing the work in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so uh, he says, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And then he says, when you do that, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You're going to cast out demons and people will be set free. You're going to do all these things. These signs and wonders are going to accompany you as you go out preaching in my name, making disciples. And so you have to know, you have to have faith, you have to have an understanding of who God has called you to be and what is inside of you, what anointing is inside of you. The same spirit, the Bible says, is on the inside of you that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Jesus himself in John chapter 14 says, uh, the same works that I did and greater you're going to do because I'm going to heaven and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down. So since I'm sending the Holy Spirit down, he says, listen, I'm only one person and I can only be in one place at one time right now. But I'm going to go to heaven. Don't you worry. I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down so he can fall on all my people and fill them up and give them the same spirit that I have inside of me so that they can go everywhere and then and then when that happens you're going to do the same things that I did and greater because of that so inside of you is that anointing and that spirit so that everywhere you go you can continue the work of Jesus Christ but you have to believe that You have to have faith knowing who God has called you to be. You have to have faith saying, this is what Jesus himself said. So if he said it, it must be true. And then when he speaks to you and says, Jacob, I want you to go do this, you have to have faith that you're hearing God speak to you, and then you step out and do it. Do you ever think about the works that Jesus did? And then do you ever remind yourself, whew, Jesus said that I'm called to do these things? You know, we, let let me just say it this way. We need to begin to take the Lord Jesus Christ at face value. Well, did he really mean that? I mean, like, was he talking to us or was he talking to Peter? Was he talking to John? I think that he was just talking to those guys. No, you need to begin to take the Lord Jesus Christ at face value. It's in this book for a reason so that you can read it and find yourself in it and begin to walk out what you read in here. And so if Jesus said, the same works that I did and greater, then guess what? The same works Jesus did and greater you're going to do if you put your faith and hope and trust in him. And so when he tells you to go lay hands on the sick, you say, well, Jesus said that the same things he did, I'm going to do. And so he's telling me right now to go pray for this person. It's not to make me look like a fool, so I guess I better obey. And you walk over there and say, hey, man, I just want to tell you about Jesus. I don't know if you've heard of Jesus or not, but I believe that Jesus can heal you from this. I believe Jesus can set you free. Can I just pray for you? Did you know, did you know like something like eight out of ten strangers will let you pray for them if you just ask? I, I don't think they know what to say. <laughs> so they're like, oh, if I say yes, will you leave? But here's the thing. Here's the thing, everybody. They don't know what's about to hit them. 
Because if you walk over there in the power and the faith of the Holy Spirit, obeying what Jesus Christ has told you to do, and you say, hey, can I pray for you? Listen, I've probably told you this story before. Probably half of you haven't heard it. I remember one time we had an evangelist come to town. I was just like a young youth pastor. We were barely married. And um, he made us go down to Five Corners in Chilliwack. Before Five Corners looked cool, it was super sketchy. Now they fixed it up, and it looks awesome, and, and it looks way better than it did. But back like in the late 90s, downtown Chilliwack was not a safe place to be. And so he packed up our youth group. All of our youth kids took us down to Five Corners on a Friday night. And this guy, like this guy was big, like, like muscle. He was like a bodybuilder. And so nobody would mess with this dude. So we were all sticking really close to this guy. He takes us down to Five Corners. And so we're just letting him kind of like be like the icebreaker. And he's just like walking around and he doesn't care who he talks to. He's just talking to everybody. Hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And he just walks up and he's talking to all these people just having a great old time and I'm like I'm letting him pave the way and I'm I'm the youth pastor and I'm like yeah look at him everybody look see now and I'll turn around and talk to my kids I'm like now see what he's doing here is he's talking about Jesus so you go over there and you do that and you go over there on that corner and I let him pave the way but then what happened he's talking to this one guy Jacob come here he's talking to this one guy and and um He's like talking to the dude, and I'm like standing behind him, like beside, just face everybody. And he's like, I'm like this behind him, but honestly, for real, this guy was like massive. He's like twice as wide as Jacob. And I'm like standing behind him, and um, no, I'm not saying Jacob's small. I'm just talking about how big this guy was. Don't, don't, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel, don't feel bad. You're a big guy. You're a big guy. And uh, <clears throat> you're, you're big, Jacob. You're big. And so I'm hiding behind him is my point. And so he's talking to this dude. And then he's like, well, you know, he's like, I see you're on crutches there. You got like a bum ankle. He's like, yeah, like I sprained my ankle doing this whatever thing. And he's like, oh, he's like, well, I believe that Jesus can heal you all. And I'm like, yes, yes, he can. I'm, I'm standing behind him. I'm like, yes, Jesus is our healer. And he's talking. <laughs> and um, we're just, I'm just like there like cheering him on. And he's like, can, he's like, can I pray for you? He's like, because I believe Jesus can heal you. And the kid's like, yeah, yes, like I don't care, sure, whatever, man. He's like, great. He's like, my friend's going to turn around. Like, my friend's going to pray for you. And he turns around and points to me. I, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you, you can sit down. Thank you, Jacob. And so he turns around and he points to me. He says, my friend's going to pray for you. And guys, have you ever had time slow down on you? Like you see it happen in movies all the time. But when it happens in real life, you're like, this is weird. So he turns around and says, my friend's going to pray for you. And he doesn't just stop there. He says, my friend's going to pray for you. And Jesus is going to heal you. And so I remember in that moment, time slowed down. And I remember, like, it felt like it took me 30 seconds to get to the ground as I was kneeling down to lay my hands on this guy's ankle. It took forever to get down there. And in my mind, I'm saying, God, you've got to heal this guy because everybody's watching. My kids in the youth group are watching. This guy just told this other random dude that you're going to heal him. So Jesus, you've got to do something. And so I bent down and I laid my hands on this guy's ankle and I prayed. I don't even know what I said. It's probably like, Jesus, do something. Heal this guy. By your stripes on the cross, we are healed of the Lord. And I laid my hands on this guy and I prayed. And then I stood up and the guy's like, so how do you feel? And he's like, he moves his ankle around. He's like, I feel better. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Jesus is our healer. 
But when you step out in faith and do what the Lord tells you to do, the same works that Jesus did and greater. I don't know who needs to heal this today, but somebody in this room, because I've taken way longer talking about this than I did in the first service. So somebody today needs to get a revelation and an understanding inside of your own life that the same works that Jesus did and greater, you are going to do by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter uh, 4, I told you to go there a long time ago. We're finally going to read this. Acts chapter 4 is uh, one of my favorite stories. It's a picture of the early church when, when Jesus went to heaven and then the Holy Spirit fell. And then Acts chapter 3 is the chapter where Peter and John are on their way to church. And they see the, the lame guy outside and he's begging. And they say, I don't have anything to give you, but what I do have you, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And this guy gets up and goes crazy. Everybody loses their minds. And then Peter and John, of course, get arrested. And so they're in, in chapter 4. They've spent the night in jail. And I was telling people in the first service that, that two of my favorite verses are in this passage of Scripture. In the whole Bible, two of my favorite verses are right in here. And in chapter 4, verse 13, there's a verse where the council has gotten together, and they're talking about what are we going to do with these guys? They're going around preaching in the name of Jesus, and we want it to stop. What are we supposed to do? And the problem they're having, in, in verse 13 of chapter 4, the problem they're having is they're saying, listen, we can tell by looking at these dudes that these are just regular guys, right? This, this one dude was a fisherman. This other guy was a fisherman. They have calluses on their hands. Their hands are gnarly. They're, they're dirty. They're, they're not well-kept. They didn't go to school. They're not educated. They don't use fancy words. They can barely talk. But the one thing that we can tell about these people, it says in verse 13, is this, that these are people who have been with Jesus. This is one of my favorite verses because it doesn't matter what your life looks like. It doesn't matter what your family lineage is. It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter where you came from. The Bible says right here that people could tell that these were people, these were men who had been in the presence of Jesus. I love that. And then verse 20, uh, verse, yeah, verse 20 is, is they call the, the council calls in the two guys, Peter and John, and they say, listen, Here's what we decided. You've got to go. You, can, you guys can go, but you just can't talk about Jesus anymore. So quit talking about Jesus. Quit preaching about Jesus. Quit telling people about Jesus. And the disciples, their answer is this. They say, listen, I, I don't know what you expect us to do. But they just say, um, we can't help but talking about the things that we have seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears. They said, basically, we've been so impacted by Jesus and his life in our lives that we can't shut up about it. And I love that verse. I love that verse so much that I tried to call our youth group in Calgary 420. There you go. There you go. And everybody, everybody was like, it's not, it's not going to work. They're like, it's not going to work. I was like, listen, I told everybody, I said, we're going we're gonna to take back 420. We're going to redeem it just like the rainbow. I was like, we're making this our own. You know, this is in the word of God. And, and this is a verse talking about people that have been so impacted by Jesus that they can't shut up about it. And I was like, we're going to call our youth and young adults ministry 420. Nobody would have it. They're like, no, we're not doing it, man. It's not happening. But these are two of my favorite verses. Then down in verse uh, 29, um, they are praying. They've, they've left prison, they've been released, and they've gone their way, and they are praying. And in verse 29 of chapter 4, in the New Living Translation, it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats, because they've told them to quit preaching. 
Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this, the meeting took place, and uh, uh, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Now listen to me. So here they are. They've just done a crazy sign of wonder through the power of Jesus Christ. They spent the night in jail. Then they got threatened to not talk about Jesus. They leave that place, they go find the other believers and they pray and they say, let's pray. And what do they pray? They don't say pray, they don't pray, God, keep us safe. God, protect me. Uh, God, help me not get into trouble with the government. They say, God, give us boldness so that we can continue to preach in your name. And they say, we don't wanna just preach in your name. We don't wanna just be because, listen, this was in a day and an age where there were gods everywhere. The Roman, the Roman people had gods everywhere. There was a God on every corner. And so they're saying, we wanna preach in your name. And we don't just want people to think this is another dead religion or another dead God, but we want you, God. We're asking you that when we preach about you and we talk about you, we want you to show up and by signs and wonders begin to work and move so that everybody knows that you are real and you're alive. And so they say, this is what we're asking, God. Give us boldness to talk talk about you, and then when we do talk about you, God, please back it up and show everybody you're real and alive. And the Bible says when they prayed that prayer, the place shook. So then going on into chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 5, there's a story about Ananias and Sapphira. This is a husband and wife team who conspired to lie for some reason. And uh, the husband lied, and, and uh, Peter found out about it, and he died. And then the wife showed up, and then she Peter said, hey, did you, like, did you sell your property for this much money? They, were, they sold some property and gave the money to the church. And Peter's like, did you give your money? And she's like, yes, we did. And he says, well, that's bad news because the people who buried your husband are standing outside the door. They just came back, and now they're going to go bury you too. So the, the moral of the story is don't, don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Just as, that's just for free. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 12 is where we're going to pick up in chapter 5. It says this, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting together regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Listen. This is a New Testament picture of what we're talking about happening. This is the early church. When the Bible talks about what the church is supposed to look like, when, when God gave us a picture of what church is supposed to look like, this is a picture of what church is supposed to look like. We're supposed to talk about Jesus. We're supposed to point people to Jesus. And then when we talk about Jesus, then he backs it up with signs and wonders. And the Bible says that all these people kept hearing about it. And as they hear about it, they keep drawing themselves. They keep running to find where these people are because they need the freedom. They need the healing. They need salvation. They need restoration. They need to be set free from torment. They, listen, listen, there's a lot of people that have demons today, okay? And there's only one, 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 I don't like saying person, but... Sometimes it's hard to like figure out how you're going to talk about God. I don't want to call him a thing, so I'm going to call him a person for right now. We all know he's not a person, but there's only one person that can take care of demons. 
And that's Jesus. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to point to Jesus. We're going to think about Jesus. We're going to worship Jesus. And what's going to happen? As we do that, as we begin to lift up the name of Jesus, he's beginning to show himself alive and real and true to people. People are going to show up that are broken. People are going to show up that are sick. People are going to show up that are tormented. People are going to show up with cancer. People are going to show up with all kinds of mental illness. They're going to show up, and so is Jesus. And when Jesus shows up, guess what happens? We have two minutes and 30 seconds left. So I'm gonna... <laughs> yeah. More and more people believed, it says in verse 14. More and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. More and more people. Listen, I guarantee you there's people on your street that need what you have. I guarantee you there's people that work with you that need the salvation and the understanding about who Jesus is that you have. I guarantee you there are people in your school that you sit beside. There are people that you ride on the bus with. There are people everywhere you go that need the understanding and the revelation and faith that you have about who Jesus is that you have to give away to them. Everywhere you go. And so we have to begin to step out in faith obeying the Spirit of God. And as we begin to step out in faith, as we begin to listen to his voice and do what he says to do, then he's going to begin to show himself true and alive and strong on our behalf because he wants to show those people that he is real. He wants to show people that he's alive. He wants to set people free. Jesus didn't die on the cross for just a few people. Jesus died to set everybody free. So, the first thing we need is, is faith. The second thing we need is this. It's a big word. It's consecration. Everybody say consecration. Consecration. Consecration, consecration is the act of devoting and dedicating a person or thing to the service and worship of God. Consecration doesn't make a person or thing really holy, but declares it to be sacred, that is, devoted to God or to a divine service. In Joshua chapter 3, the children of Israel are about to finally step over into the promised land, the land that God gave them, but they weren't able to go into because of unbelief. And so they wandered around the desert for 40 years. Finally, that whole generation, all their parents died. They weren't allowed in there, and so finally... All those people died, and then God said, okay, now you can go into the promised land. And so in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua makes a statement. He says this. Uh, put it on the screen there, Jaden. This is the New Living Translation. It says it this way. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. The New King James says, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Consecrate yourself, because tomorrow God is going to do great things among you. For us to be a house where the presence of God lives and dwells requires a consecration on our part. It requires that we don't get to live and act the same way that everybody else does. If you want to see God work in you and through you, if you want to see God work through you, it requires a price. It requires you pulling away from the things of the world so that you are pure and holy, so that he can use you for his purposes. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to look at this together. And this is the last passage of Scripture we're going to look at together today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this. 
once I get there. Are you with me? Second Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verse 14. We're going to read down to verse 18. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can, a, how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? What harmony can there be between Jesus and the devil? The answer is none. There will never be harmony between Jesus and the devil. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Say, I am the temple of the living God. You're the temple of the living God. You're the temple of the living God. That means that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You're not just you. You are the temple of the living God. He lives and dwells on the inside of you. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, we talked about this, lives and dwells on the inside of you. You're His temple. That means we've got to walk a pure and consecrated, set-apart life. Let's look at this. Let's keep going on here. It says this. God said in verse 16, I will live in them, and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So for this to happen, then he says this, therefore, so that I can be your God, and you can be my people, so that I can walk among you, and so I can live in you, therefore, come out from among unbelievers, and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Guess what? The thought is, if you're touching the filthy things, he can't welcome you. That's right, because sin always separates us from God's presence. So he's saying, get this stuff out of you so that I can come among you and live and dwell and walk. Because there can be no union between light and darkness. So for us to be a church, we're talking about a house where the presence of God dwells. We're talking about being a house where everybody sees that God's presence lives and dwells here. We're talking about people where signs and wonders are done. And we get so excited about that, don't we? We're like, yay, signs and wonders, signs and wonders. Everybody's hooting and hollering for that. But when you talk about the price for signs and wonders is living a consecrated, set-apart life where you're not living the same way everybody else is, everybody gets awfully quiet. It's like when you say, we're all going to go on a diet. (laughs) But what about my Costco hot dogs? (laughs) Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters. See, look at this. It starts off in verse 16. I'm just noticing this right now. It starts off talking about how he's going to be our God. He's going to live and dwell in us and among us. Then he says, come out from among them. Don't, don't touch these things. Separate yours. And then it moves in verse 18, going from, when you do this, I'm not just going to be your God. He says, I will be your fathers. I will be your father, and you will be my son and daughter. 
God's bringing you into a relationship with him. As you consecrate yourself, as you remove these things from your life, as you separate yourself from the things in the world, world that cause you to be filthy, that cause you to be dirty. Listen, and it's hard. We live in a world where everything is around us. That just means that you constantly have to be on guard removing things from your life. As the Spirit of God brings them to your remembrance and says to you, hey, you shouldn't touch that. You shouldn't look at that. You shouldn't put that inside of you. You shouldn't think about that. You should close your ears and not listen to this. And as he brings those things to you, you say, you're right. I'm sorry. Take this away from me. Take this desire away from me. Get it far from me. Because more than anything, I want to be your son and daughter. I want you to be my father. And I want you to live and dwell inside of me. Because when he lives and dwells on the inside of you, that's when there is freedom, that's when there is wholeness, that's when there is life, and he begins to work not just in you, but he begins to work through you. And all of this is not just about you being a better version of yourself. Coming to church, talking about Jesus, singing songs, isn't just so David Jones can become the best version of David Jones that ever existed on the planet. Of all the Davy Jones that have ever lived, you're the best one. No, that's not what this is about. Sure, that's a great byproduct, and that's a great thing to strive for, and that's a great thing to achieve. But listen, at the end of the day, what this is really about is God working his character, his life on the inside of you so that you can turn around and go give it away to everybody else that you come in contact that needs what you have received. You should be more excited about that. Because that takes us all the way back to the Great Commission where Jesus said, this is why I'm leaving you here. This is why I'm sending my Holy Spirit so that you can continue to do my work that I've started. Not so that you can just have great services and feel good in my presence and see signs and wonders. He says, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit to confirm the words that you tell others about me so they know that I'm real and that I'm alive. And so your job here on earth is to get yourself into God's presence so you're changed and transformed into his image and then turn around and with the power and the giftings, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to take that into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.